Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to Inside Legion, the podcast that takes place inside David Holler's mind. I'm Alex. I'm Pete. And we're going to be talking about Chapter 26, the penultimate episode of Legion ever. Ever. This is the second to last episode ever, Pete. I'm freaking out here. I don't know how you're feeling. I am freaking out, but we also kind of got a first here. A first? Yeah, since our podcast takes place inside... His head, we they literally show that in this episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, so it was weird to me watching the episode that they didn't reference our podcast. But exactly, yeah, our know? table where we do our podcast was right there. Yeah, you would have thought that David, not to jump ahead into the recap of the episode, but David would have been like. Daddy, here's a slice of cake. Also, there's this great podcast that's recapping everything that's going on. Yeah, hey, just ignore those two guys commenting on what we're doing. (laughs) Yeah, they do a great podcast, so, you know, we share the space. The crazy thing is that Legion is exactly the sort of show where somebody could be podcasting Legion (laughs) inside of Legion as it happens. Uh, But that's not what happened. Uh, Before we jump into the episode, though, let's do some recap, because all of... The entire show, all of the seasons, has been leading up to this. Uh, So David Holler is the most powerful mutant on Earth. Since he was a tiny little baby, he was infected with a being called the Shadow King, a.k.a. Amal Farouk. And the Shadow King took over his body as vengeance for his body being destroyed by Charles Xavier, who is David's father. David's mother is Gabriel Holler. She is a war survivor. She worries about being crazy herself. And David has wrestled her his entire life with the legacy of both his mother and his father, having the power of his father, who was an immensely powerful uh, telepath, and his mother, who wrestled with her own sanity. And as we find out this episode, uh, her entire family has wrestled with their sanity with mental illness, which has been a big theme of the show. Now, this led to a point in the present where David Holler was leading a cult. He had broken with his one-time allies and was trying to use a time-traveling mutant named Switch to travel back in time, make a change so, according to him, he could repair everything. But really, it was very selfishly so that everybody could see him as good again. Part of the reason they need to see him as good again is during a battle with the Shadow King... 
he won, but ended up wiping the mind of his ex-girlfriend, Sid, raping her uh, in all but name, uh, and uh, was put on trial by his friends. He escaped with his compatriot, Lenny, to start this cult, and he's been battling with his old friends on and off all season, including Sid, uh, who finally got past her significant issues in her life by literally being reborn. What happened to her was she was trapped in the astral play in the telepathic realm with uh, some old friends of ours, Melanie and Oliver Bird. She went back to babyhood and lived her entire life again all the way through. And this time... Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, you're going to say raised by good people, right? Yeah, raised by love. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that changed her, and she was finally ready to face David. She was finally ready to face him down because they know that his actions are going to lead to the literal end of the world. Now, a couple of other characters you should probably know about this episode. There's Carrie and Carrie. Uh, Pete, you know the difference (laughs) between those, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Which one is which? Carrie Uh, is... Carrie is the dude. As we nope, all know. Wrong one. That's Carrie. And, uh, oh, okay. and Carrie. Sorry about that. You got that wrong again. Uh, but uh, Carrie is maybe super strong, not totally clear. At the very least, she loves fighting. And Carrie yeah, is does. super smart. Uh, they share the same body and are able to switch attributes. And when Carrie got very hurt a couple of episodes back, they switched bodies. Carrie took all of the hurt on himself. So even though he is a key allies of hers, they've been he's been unconscious in a wheelchair basically for a while. Yeah. The place where we left them is due to David's actions where he's traveling back in time with Switch. Time demons have been released from the corridors of time. They slowly eat away at time. They laugh. They're absolutely terrifying. Uh mm-hmm. And Sid, Carrie, and Carrie narrowly escape them, heading into the time corridor, chasing after David and Switch in order to travel back to the same period that he went to. Last character you should probably know about, uh, which we already talked about a little bit, is Amal Farouk. Now, Amal Farouk was on the side of the good guys for a while, ostensibly, but due to the actions of Switch, he ended up trapped in the time between time, which is basically like a bunch of slides. That's the realm where the time demons come from. Uh, and that's where we left him. So there's Wait. other things we're going to have to touch on because one of the big things about this episode is it touches on so many different things throughout Legion history. But I think that's the broad overview you need to know, right? Yeah, definitely. I would like to point out, though, uh, you were talking about how Carrie loves to fight. And when they switch bodies... Sorry, uh, no, no, no. That's Carrie loves to fight. Great. Uh, When they switch bodies, she was so happy to be back. She actually paused before jumping into uh, the kind of gateway and, uh, you know, took a shot at one of the time demons. Yeah, that was a very cool moment that sort of... Sums up who she is and how happy she is to be back in her skin and stuff. Yeah. Now, one thing that I'll mention right off as we get into the actual recap of the show here, uh, I, first of all, I'm going to very much miss the Legion recaps because the narration at the beginning of the episode where they use different 
I guess it's an adjective and say ostensibly on reason, religion, essentially on religion (laughs) are absolutely fantastic. But what's fascinating about this is we had the previously on, but it didn't actually recap anything about Charles Xavier or Gabriel Holler where the episode starts because we get a recap right there in the beginning as part of the episode where we get to see Charles putting on Cerebro. He thought he was the only mutant to the world. He makes mind contact with Amal Farouk. We get to see flashes of a matador on stage. Charles watching in the audience. The bull is stabbed. It screams. The mask comes off. It's Charles. We see a flash of the demon with the yellow eyes, which you know is a form of Amal Farouk, the Shadow King. We get to see Gabriel Holler, him leaving and going to Morocco. And then finally, uh, we see uh, Amal Farouk saying, you shouldn't have come. Yeah, and then he's that's... on a plane, welcome to Morocco. And now we're in the scenes that we haven't really seen before. Uh, what did you think about this opening to this episode, Pete? It was uh, very insane, but it also kind of reminded me of like, uh, you know, like the flipping op- uh, kind of opening of the Marvel uh, kind of when you see a Marvel mm. film, you know, when they mm-hmm. do the kind of flipping and they show you everything. And sometimes instead of going through the origin store, they kind of do a fast cut thing like we saw. I thought it was a very creative way to kind of get us up to speed. Uh, one thing that uh, I mean, you should always watch the show multiple times. To be honest, I only watched this episode once before recapping it. How but dare you? So- I know I'm a jerk. But <laughs> this in particular, these scenes with Charles where he's in a dueling mindscape with Amal Farouk, there are so many layered images going on. It yeah. demands repeat viewings just so you can pick up everything that they're showing you there, which is fascinating. Yeah. And I also felt like uh, it was very interesting to see kind of like a young Professor X in these situations and kind of like, you know, so inexperienced. Like, you know, if someone says you shouldn't have come, like, if you die after that, that's on you. You should literally get up and walk away. <laughs> Anytime you're visiting somebody, they start being creepy and then say you don't you shouldn't have come. But that's very essentially Professor Xavier, right? He has yeah. the arrogance that he believes he can get out of any situation. He thinks he's immortal. He is constantly curious about everything to a fault, and I think that's one of the things that they've captured very nicely in this show with the character. Uh, they've done a really good job of channeling him. Pete, yes. Uh, this was also one of the hardest things about this show uh, as an X-Men fan to learn that Charles Xavier is kind of a dick is kind of heartbreaking. Pete, what are you talking about? I'm just saying, like, as the show goes on, it reveals more and more about how Professor X made some horrible decisions and then just walked away from a family. <laughs> I, I Listen, I don't want to, like, pull geek card or anything like that, but one of the most defining characteristics of Professor Xavier is he is a dick who keeps secrets, fucks everything up, and then walks away from it. That is the consistent thing that he has done across <laughs> the history of the X-Men. It's I still cannot... heartbreaking when it happens, though, man. I mean, she sure, is a just dick. learning it now? No, but, I mean, it's just, you're even in the beginning, when he had, like, a family and hope and he was young and feeling strong, he still was a complete asshole. He's always a complete asshole. It's, it's uh, horrible. Okay, to be fair to what you're saying... 
I think the reason that we root for Professor Xavier as a hero is because he has the good guy philosophy. He has the philosophy you're supposed to believe in as opposed to Magneto, who is humans are meant to be ruled. And Professor Xavier always wants to preach cooperation. But he always does it in the wrong way in the comics. And and I like that they've kept that in the show, that he is young, he is trying to learn, but he does it wrong. But... But I will say the other thing that we learned in this episode is he's good. He is a good man. And frankly, I think he's a better man than David at this point. Well, yeah, but that's not saying much. <laughs> David's, <laughs> David's done some horrible things. Yes, that is absolutely true. So we cut to not the present, but the past. We see uh, Charles is on the plane. He's told, welcome to Morocco. There's a very fun scene of Charles at the airport as he's looking for a car and just everybody's leaving until one of Amal's men comes and picks him up and hands him a painting of himself from the war, <laughs> which was neat. How would you react to that if somebody was picking you up at the airport and instead of using a sign that said LePage, they handed you a painting of yourself? I would say nope and walk away <laughs> and wait for the next plane. Yeah. Now, one thing that I will mention, I believe this came up in our Patreon Slack, but uh, they've still been very unspecific about the war. I think it's funny because it feels like for Xavier, it's almost clearly World War One that he was involved in versus Gabriel Holler, who was involved in World War Two. But that's very consistent with the show that doesn't specify time periods. Right. Yeah. Plus, they're messing with times in this episode, right? Yes. For a, lo- for a long time. So, yeah. Who the hell knows? Very much so. Uh, so the driver says, "I am a subject, and my king is most excited to meet you." And then we cut to the time hallway uh, where David and Switch are getting dizzy. They're trying to go back in time. Switch's teeth are just spewing out of her mouth at this oh, point. Oh, poor Switch. <clears throat> I know. How do you feel bad for Switch? Like she's helping David. Yeah, so she's on the side of the bad guys. One quick little thing. (laughs) Just going to be a quick little thing. Fucking lying to her. Just a a poor Switch, man. He's. Can we go off about Switch a little bit? Yeah, sure. I. I mean, I like Switch. I love Switch, and also when she calls out for her dad, I was just absolutely heartbroken. Yeah. She just wants somebody to trust her and love her and support her. And David is taking advantage of that, just like he does with everybody else. Oh, it's it's pretty awful. Yeah. Uh, So uh, Switch's teeth are falling out. Things are getting wonky. Time starts to get unstable. Very briefly, David gets locked away from Switch. And we flash back. (coughs) Sorry. (coughs) Coughing so much. We flash back. some water, buddy? Yeah, if you could hand me some water through our podcast, that would be awesome. Uh, We flash back to an earlier scene from season two, from the very beginning of season two, where David first encountered Amal Farouk in the flesh. Now, for those of you who forgot about that, for a while, he was a psychic being. We saw him as Lenny. We saw him as the devil with the yellow eyes. We saw him as the boy's angry, the... The world's Angry angriest boy in the world. Yep. World. Thank you. Uh, but then finally he started to get his body back uh, and he showed up as Farouk in this field. And we get to see a, a blip of that. But there's a time eater there, which is the first real indication that not only is something wrong with time, but the time eaters are everywhere. And yeah. this 
built in such a terrifying way over the course of the episode. Yeah, but also gave you an, a real idea of who the time demons were, which was really creative. Yes. Uh, I love the time demons as villain. I think I said a couple of episodes back when they showed up that I thought we were done with them, that they were done in one villain. Yeah. I'm glad they're not. No. I'm glad they're not because this makes- season is starting to feel more like a piece because of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Also, like, it's... Everything is so creatively done, and the the reveal of who they are really makes sense for a lot of what we see, especially yes. in the way they move and uh, interact. It just, yeah. well, everything one clicked of, in. One of my favorite lines of this episode, I think it was Carrie who says it, is that time is the enemy. Yep. And that's such a nice, smart way of distilling the theme of this season so simply both physically it's the enemy and uh, figuratively it's the enemy at the same time. Uh, then we get a flash of Amal Farouk in the time between time. There's a neat little thing for X-Men fans, which I can't believe we're still rolling out X-Men Easter eggs, but they mention through narrative text that Amal Farouk is an Omega level mutant, which yeah. I thought was particularly funny. I know you're not a big fan of these books, but over in the X-Men comic books, uh, House of X and Powers of Ten, excuse me, are running right now. And there's been this whole, like, there's a whole page, I believe, in the second issue where they clarify what is and is not an Omega Mutant. So it was just funny timing in terms of that. Oh, that was, that is very funny timing. You're right. Yeah. Now, the other thing that I thought was interesting as we're continuing to throw back to old episodes is in the time between time, we see a nest and we see an egg starting to hatch. What did you think was going on with that, Pete? What did you take away from that? I don't know. But wasn't there like, or maybe I'm making this up. Didn't they show an egg before, like when they were out in the desert or something? Uh, I don't know if there was eggs in the desert. Uh, Initially, my first thought was, okay, this is time demons hatching out of the eggs. But the other thing is there was a major theme in season two with eggs hatching and ideas coming out of eggs and sometimes ideas coming out wrong uh, and becoming diseased ideas, essentially infecting other people. So I wonder if we are going to loop back to that with the time demons. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But then we get a very scary scene where uh, Farouk very slowly, bit by bit, is surrounded by the time demons. I can't believe that after everything that's going on, I'm worried about Amal Farouk. Are you worried (laughs) about him, Pete? No. No, I'm not worried about him. Okay. Well, I would say this is jumping ahead. but I still think he's a bad guy. Sure, he is, and certainly there's a setup at the end where, yes, he is still the bad guy of the show, but there's this great speech that Sid gives to Carrie later on where she talks, this is very much jumping ahead, but they go back in time, they encounter the baby David, and Mm -hmm. she's trying to explain the difference between baby David and adult David to Carrie, and she says, uh, let me see if I can find the text here because I wrote it down because I thought it was so interesting the way that they uh, explained it, uh, where 
I don't know. I don't know where it is. But basically, she explains. She's like, listen, the adult David is bad. There's nothing that we can do about him. He's done. Like, he is cooked at this point. He is evil. We can't change him. And if we encounter him, we have to kill him. But baby David has an opportunity. He can be something different. And it almost feels like it's the opposite with Farouk to me, that we meet the younger Farouk, the evil Farouk, at in this episode and we encounter him and we find all the evil, horrible things that he's done. He's a mastermind. He's a monster, as Charles Xavier said. But then he goes through this 30 year experience where he lives inside of David and he raises him. And when he eventually comes out, even though he's not the best ally, he is working with everybody in division three. And I'm, I don't know if we're going to go this route, but it almost feels like, it is that opposite path where younger Farouk is bad. Do kill him. Older Farouk has learned. He's become wiser. He's changed. And maybe there is something redeemable about him. Uh, I I don't know, because like it seems like we're getting a huge big boss battle at the end. And I don't think either of those. It would be crazy to me if the SWAT like they switch sides because of what they've learned and, and, and kind of experienced. Well, we'll see. Again, this is jumping to the end of the episode, but spoiler, we end up with David and Charles as the setup versus Farouk and Farouk. And we have, it feels like David is definitely bad by the end. Like he's evil. He's been taken over by his worst impulses. Charles is still good and trying to do the right thing. And then you have the Farouks where you have the younger Farouk is scared for his existence and evil has trapped all these people. And then you have the other fruit who shows up and it's, uh, I think it's a wild card in terms of potentially what's going to happen. Also, what you're talking about with, uh, you know, the nicer Farouk, David's still getting flashes like of advice from, from Farouk through, throughout kind of like the episodes and that's still happening. So it's like, yeah, there is a lot of encouragement from him. Because we saw that shot of Farouk a couple of episodes back when he was exiled from his own body. He is bouncing David, baby David, on his knee. He's taking care of him. He calls him his boy. He's always treated him as a father. And his real father, Charles Xavier, left. You know, Farouk is the guy who took care of him. So I don't know. Whatever it is, it's not a simple dynamic that's going on there. (laughs) That's true. And also what's crazy is... While, uh, you know, Sid is talking to the two Carries about the baby and whether it's evil, you know, Carrie is sitting there and is like, let's just kill the baby then, you know, and the classic, if we travel back in time, do you kill the baby? And that's why I think also what, what was so nice about that speech is not only is it kind of talking about the difference between her before who had a shotgun and maybe like shot him twice before even thinking might have thought differently about that baby. But now since being raised with love is saying there's a chance that David could be saved. Yeah. Uh, it's great. It's all great. Uh, going back to the, the episode. So they show up at Farouk's place. There's a monkey there. Farouk enters a child is hugging his leg. There's children running around everywhere. 
He says something very telling, which is yeah. he says demons dinner time, yeah. which immediately should raise alarm bells for Charles, but don't quite. Uh, we get to see there yeah, is a he painting. misses a lot of signs. <laughs> yes, he's uh, I, and I think he's just excited. He's excited to see somebody who is like him. And so he's ignoring all the things. But in the painting, we see uh, Farouk tries to walk down a road. Uh, he's getting closer and closer to the front of the painting. Yeah. The demons laugh again. And then we go back to Gabriel. This is another scene that we saw previously that we didn't quite understand. In the previous episode, we saw Gabriel walk outside. She saw the door to her house was outside on the front path. And this time, time blips, and Sid, Carrie, and Carrie come through the time door, and they see Gabriel. She's terrified. She asks, can you see the doors? Baby David starts crying. Gabriel runs to him, as does Sid. Uh, And they say... Maybe what I think is the truest thing they've ever said on the show <laughs> is Gabriel turns to Sid and says, they're insane, you know, babies. Babies are insane. I was wondering uh, if you would agree with this or think it was fucked up. I was, you know. No, this is, and I say this, having raised two kids that I love <laughs> with all my heart, I used to say when they were little that babies are tiny little crazy people wandering around your house. They are. This <laughs> I've is... heard them compared to drunks because they stumble, they spill, mm-hmm. they, you know, puke and but shit this everywhere. Is, this had to have been written by a parent because it was <laughs> so clearly like it it's not that you don't love the kid, it's that as Gabriel describes it. One second they're doing one thing, the next second they're doing the other thing, and you start to feel crazy because you're like, what? what is going on in your brain right now? <laughs> and you're so tired because you're chasing this kid all over the place. You have to concentrate on them with all of your concentration that it starts to drive you nuts as well. And yeah. I don't know. Again, as as a parent, I like that a lot. I also like what Sid says as a follow-up. Where she says, you know, it's not crazy babies who worry me. It's the men they become. Yeah. That's a hell of a line. Yes. That is That's, a hell of a line. All throughout this episode, I don't think I've written down more lines from an episode than this one where I was like, put these things on a fucking poster. Frank. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. They're great. Uh, so she realizes the baby is David at that point and uh, that they are in the right place, though clearly David is not there. And then we cut back to Farouk and Charles having dinner. He wants to know about the kids. Farouk is being all friendly. Farouk explains, oh, they're orphans. And then Farouk takes Charles to the astral plane and we get a neat uh, lesson in how to use the astral plane. Uh, Charles sees a tree. Then he sees his wife and child. Uh, But the most interesting thing to me, which I think we're going to have to pay off on at some point is Farouk says when he's explaining the astral plane, he says it exists between time and space. And that's immediately followed by one of the time demons laughing, which points to, well, no, it actually doesn't. He is wrong about the astral plane. And I think, I don't know if I was to speculate as much as you could speculate about the show, I think they're going to end up being fucked because of that. Oh, man. I also thought it was, you know, Professor, I should have realized, oh, I'm hanging out with a horrible individual because just as about as he's about to pick up his baby boy, 
freaking uh, Shadow King takes that whole world away from him. Uh, I do think there part of it is because Farouk is playing with him the way that a cat plays with a mouse is yeah. Charles is in over this head. Uh, Farouk is stronger in him and more talented in, than him at this point. Yeah. Uh, and he keeps jarring him to different places as we see. As soon as he takes away a wife and child, Farouk says, oh, I thought it was unwell. And then he says, would you like to watch the show? They love this and takes them to a theater. And suddenly he's in a theater sitting next to Farouk. And then Farouk is on stage. We get to see this whole shadow play of yeah. Farouk. And he telling goes, this, they call me the Shadow King. Yep. He plays there out you go. the That's most fine. fucked up story. Yeah, it's a good thing you didn't use marionettes. So they'd be like, they call me the marionette king. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so he does a shadow play of a demon. Uh, the kids of note are eating black popcorn. Yeah. Pretty gross. Would you eat black popcorn? Uh, it depends on why they were that color. Why do you think it might be black popcorn? Maybe like licorice popcorn or something? Yeah, or maybe they melted chocolate on it or something. Oh, you know, that dark would be chocolate. bad. Yeah. A little drizzle corn going on there? Yeah, yeah. Always up for a good drizzle corn. That's why I uh, worship the Shadow King. <laughs> hey, you shouldn't do that. Yeah, no. The other day, the Shadow King came to me in a dream, and he promised me a big bucket of Chicago mix. And I was like, anytime, buddy. <laughs> Whatever you need. Who do I, what baby do I got to strangle? You let me know. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, and then... Another huge moment of the episode as Charles is sitting in the audience, David shows up and he says, lies, behold the king of lies. Yeah. And that's where we know David has been successful. He's traveled back in time. Time skips again. Charles wakes up in the bed. We got flashes of the shadow king. Gabriel, Charles investigates the monkey because he is starting to realize that maybe things are a little wrong going on here. And he discovers that it's the That's Shadow the real Beast. real king. Yeah, who is actually a man. And then later on, we find out that the Shadow King clearly has trapped all of these people. He's trapped this king. He's taken over. Absolutely awful. Uh, yeah. And then David appears to Charles through the time door in person. Charles scans him, discovers that he's David. David takes Charles into his mind where it's safe. Uh, there's a big room with doors. They eat a slice of cake. Uh, the yeah. cake is knowledge. Uh, would you eat knowledge cake? Hell yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely asking you a lot of things that you would eat this episode, but it's yeah. important. Yeah, I think so. Um, also, it's this part was particularly upsetting when he's like sitting down. He shows up. He's like, ha ha, it's me. And. Uh, I wanted him immediately attacked because I'm worried about Switch. He's hanging out. He's having dinner. They're playing mind chess while they're eating and sizing each other up. It was really upsetting. David just had to murder the Shadow King while he had the numbers against him and get out of there. Yes, but David doesn't care about Switch. Switch is a tool to him. It's awful. It is. Uh, sorry, could you hand me another cup of water through the podcast, yeah. Pete? I'm, yeah, no I'm getting the cough. I'm getting, thank you. Go, 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 go. So <laughs> David reveals to Charles, which he really should have known, that he's in a trap. But this time he has an advantage, which is David. Uh, and then uh, then we cut back to the conversation with Sid and Carrie talking about killing baby David. There's another fun thing where Sid says, hey, remember how I uh, told you about Oliver and Melody racing me? And Carrie's reaction was like, yeah, I remember you said that. 
which <laughs> made me laugh out loud where I was like, Carrie, Carrie is such a fun character on the show. Great character. One of the best on the show. So amazing. She's just never having it. She's just nope. like, ah, can we just she's kill some stuff? She's always her. She's yes. always her. It's yes. just beautiful. Not conflicted about anything. Just like, nope. let's do this. Let's go. Yep. Let's go. Uh, Who am I time punching? skips again. They decide to stay, and we get another terrifying time demon visual where we zoom down to the basement, to the furnace. It melts away as the time demons uh, eat it, essentially, and a time demon appears in the fire. Horrifying. Yeah, because it's little kids. Wait, the time demons? Yeah. Wait, what do you mean? When Farouk is saying, oh, don't mind all the little kids, all these little demons... That's who the time demons are. You think he created the time demons? I think that they were gifted to him or something happened where he was raising them and then maybe they turned on him or something. But all those little kids are wearing the same colors that the time demons are. They run around, they laugh, they giggle, just like the time demons. Interesting. I I do wonder, since he does seem familiar with the time between time, wonder if maybe, to your point... Farouk created them and then exiled them to the time between time. And they turned into these time demons that would bring everything together very nicely. That's why I wasn't scared when they were all bum rushing him. And I was like, oh, they're just his children. They're going to like hang on his legs and he's going to walk around. Oh, okay. That's always fun, though. Yeah. When they do child shoes. Oh, yeah. It's a classic. Love it. Love it. So uh, Charles then brings in David to Farouk and introduces him as an old friend. Super fun scene. David is sitting down there. Farouk tries to read him, and every time he tries to read him, he just sees the cult party and hears the 60s cult music, and Farouk is completely flustered by it. Yeah, exactly. Kill him now while he's flustered. Strike now. Attack. I I love that, though. Like, I love that scene. I love seeing them have the advantage on Farouk. I thought that was fun. Uh, and then uh, Switch is, again, hemorrhaging teeth. She's basically oh. falling apart as they go back to the bedroom. Uh, and Charles says this thing, again, a very profound thing, where he says, everyone is someone, David. And I think this yeah. draws the line between how Charles is coming at this and how David is coming at this. That David... All David has is himself. He lives in his yeah. head with multiple versions of himself. Charles understands that other people are important. Yeah. Well, you know, he should have thought about that before he ditched his family because he got a mind call. All right, buddy. Well, then he ends up on the bad end of the stick because he goes back into David's mind. David freezes. All the doors open up to reveal other Davids. Uh, and they're like, yeah, we want revenge. And the other one says justice. And he says, all right, justice. Uh, and they're pissed off that Charles left them. Oh, Charles yeah. uh, sends out his mind waves and escapes from the mind. Again, a fun thing, a fun comic visual. Uh, and then we cut back to a great scene with Gabriel and Sid, where Sid is chopping wood. She explains yeah. that she has two childhoods and the second time she felt safe. Meanwhile, Gabriel, uh, who seems very comfortable with Sid, and we find out why in a second, uh, explains that the sickness afflicted her grandmother and mother, and she worries that it afflicts her. Uh, Sid tells her 
this little baby, you have to love him like his life depends on yeah, him. Yeah, like what a great speech. Will end. There's no good stronger than a mother's love. Yeah. And Gabriel asks her, this is why she seems so comfortable talking to Sid. She asks her, are you really here? Which yeah. is the way Stephanie Cordelius had deli- uh, delivered that line was so sad. Yeah. Also, like, the the back and forth those two have are, are is really special. And, like, when Sid says to the mom, like, don't let the demons in or don't let the monsters in. Oh, that was so moving as well. Uh, across the board, this show has always done this so well. But this episode was a real standout in terms of mixing crazy ideas, insane visuals, terror, X-Men continuity, and real deep emotion in the episode. Yeah, yeah. really hits you in the feels. <laughs> it really did. Uh, so then uh, Sid sees all the wood she's chopped is unchopped, and she realizes that the time demons are there. Carrie wakes up. Carrie explains what happened. The time demons show up in David's room, and they unmake the room. They're about yeah. to get rid of David, uh, which potentially could be a good thing. I felt very conflicted about what was going <laughs> to yeah. happen here. Yeah. Uh, but then Sid chops it with an axe. Super cool. Yeah. And the time demons are pouring out of the furnace. Uh, then we cut back to Switch. Switch is dreaming of her papa as David and Farouk float. They're getting ready for their battle. <coughs> Excuse me. A child comes to Charles and says, can you make them stop screaming? And she realize, he realizes all the people are trapped yeah. in there. He sees uh, what Farouk has really done. And Charles tells David it was his fault that he left. He apologizes. He didn't know. He needed time to become a father. Uh, And David, very angry now, says, we need to kill Farouk. And this time there's two of us. And then there's a twist, which, as we mentioned earlier, Farouk comes out of the painting, approaches his old self. And to himself, he says, interesting. So we have... Such a huge setup for this last episode here. The last episode is going to be a crazy boss battle. Oh, my God. I don't even know how they're going to end this or what they're going to do. But just on a plot level, we have Charles and uh, Charles and David versus yeah. the two Farouks. We have Sid, Carrie, Carrie, and kind of Gabriel versus all of the time demons. We have multiple characters dead in other places. Somehow they're going to have to wrap this all up and come to a satisfying conclusion. Is there going to be a song and dance number is my big question. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I I'm so excited. So nervous. I have no doubt that they're going to nail it though. This is one of the few finales that I feel like utter confidence that they're going to get exactly right. You know? Yeah. How do you feel going in? Well, I'm just wondering if David's going to get saved in this episode or if they're going to keep him the bad person that he has become, you know? And I'm, oh, I'm, it's just so much like who really wins the battle, you know? Like, how are they going to wrap it up? Is it going to be like a good ending or is it just going to set like Legion as this villain? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know, but I'm very excited. And I'm also wondering if we're going to get like, you know, little shots of like where all the characters are, just kind of like a little last curtain call for all of them. Well, one of the things that they've done really well in these past couple of episodes is 
they have widened it out to the rest of the cast that it's mm-hmm. not all about David. It is about everybody else. So again, I feel pretty confident that we're going to see wrap up for everybody, not just David's story. Yeah, because I want give me a little bit more Aubrey Plaza before we leave. You know, what uh, I, mean? I don't know about that. We'll see what happens. Oh, I do think she's the national treasure. It's going to be catastrophic for a bunch of characters. I don't see how. No most people can get out of this alive, you know? Well, I hope that you're wrong. But (laughs) I think it's important that we do tackle the question that this episode brings up. And I want to know what your thoughts are. Ooh, what's Uh, the question, Pete? So the the obvious question, I can't believe you didn't ask me, if you could go back in time and murder Hitler as a baby or raise Hitler to be a good person with love, which would you do? Neither of those things, <laughs> because I could never physically kill a baby. That's just not something that I could see myself doing. No. And I just can't raise another kid at this point. <laughs> Done it twice. <laughs> You're tapped out. Yeah, I'm like, good. that's all. I'm, good. I'm ready. I'm ready to move on. I love my kids. <laughs> They're getting older. When they graduate, it's going to be pretty good. I can't raise a baby, Hitler. I don't have time for that. <laughs> I got podcasts to record, Pete. That's true. You don't have any free time. (laughs) What about you, Pete? Would you kill or raise baby Hitler? Yeah, I definitely, I would, I would, especially after this episode, I have no problem. A little pillow to the face, you know, do it respectful. Like, you know what I mean? You know. Oh my God. There's always though, and I don't, I never know how I feel about this, but there is the argument that if we hadn't seen the absolute horror that Hitler caused, we wouldn't have learned the lesson to let that never happen again. What do you think about that argument? I mean, that's true. I mean, also there's that thing of like, if it wasn't that kid, somebody else might be Hitler, you know? For sure. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I can understand that, but, you know, at least I would, you know, probably and have him get a round of drinks, you know, for being the guy who took out Hitler you know, I you know I feel like there will be some benefits of it stepping up and be like, hey, listen, I tried to help, I tried to kill the most evil person. You know what I mean? Here, here's what I'd say though. This is the problem with your theory. There, you go back in time, you kill baby Hitler. You cut back and you're like, dudes, great news. I killed baby Hitler. People would be like, what the fuck? You killed a baby? Who's Hitler? <laughs> Who's Hitler? Right? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, so, you're right. So nobody's gonna buy you a drink for that. Oh, man. Don't uh, just a hot tip for anybody listening in the audience. (laughs) Do not go into a bar and say, I killed a baby drinks on the house. (laughs) What are we thinking? (laughs) It's not going to work, man. You're shooting holes in all my plans. (laughs) (laughs) Time travel's complicated. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. The only place it ever really worked was Avengers Endgame. There were no holes there. (laughs) (laughs) Smooth as ice. Yes. As we end every episode. What was real? What was not real, Pete? In this episode alone, what was real? What was not real? Any calls there? I would say the room that we are currently shooting this podcast inside David's mind is real. So oh. that room with all the doors, <laughs> with all the Davids, that's that's the real that's the real deal. So you're saying if I reached over, I could get some knowledge cake right now, just snack well, on some of that. Yeah, but I think we all know you, you're pretty good on the knowledge part. I need to eat the cake. <laughs> yes. All right. I'll give it to you. Uh, I will say, actually, on that note, 
that there's been a bunch of fun themes that they've been weaving throughout the season. One of them is Charlie Brown. The other one is Alice in Wonderland. And this cake thing definitely looped back to that again. Yeah. And they're so creative. The show just, it really goes for it and makes creative choices. Even the title cards. I mean, this one, again, a great title card in this episode. Yeah, there has... I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about this more on the final episode of the podcast, but there has never been a show like this before. There will never be a show like this again. And I can't believe an X-Men show like this actually exists. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, From my perspective, I actually think everything was real this episode. I don't think there was anything that was not real. You know, like I think it was all important. None of it was imagined. But I guess we're going to have to see when things wrap up. Yeah. If you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by. We will chat with you about Legion. Pete, what else do you want to plug? Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on Twitter at Inside Legion, also at Comic Book Live for general Comic Book Club live content. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and more. You can subscribe on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, or the app of your choice. Leave a comment. Leave a bunch of stars. Subscribe. Let us know what's going on. We want to hear from you. And we'll see you one final time Inside Legion. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.